podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Dakum Show on ESPN. Week four is pretty much done and dusted. The uh, small subject of a double header of Monday Night Football. Uh, notwithstanding, we're going to drop some stuff on our social channels about that tomorrow. Recorded this Monday, so looking back at another whirlwind Sunday. Points are plenty across the NFL. Comebacks are plenty, and so much to get into with our friend comedian Marek Law, a Detroit Lions fan. So we will be leading off with the latest heartbreaker for Detroit. We'll talk about that remarkable game between the Browns and the Cowboys as well. Josh Allen rolling once again. Brady being Brady. So much to get into. So let's get straight down to it. Marek, it's very good to see you, man. Great to be here, Nat. Lovely to see you. I uh, I'm sorry it's not in happier circumstances, of course, because we're gonna we're gonna look back at a, another whirlwind Sunday in the NFL, and we're gonna lead off with your Detroit Lions. Because mm-hmm. how did you know I support the Lions? <laughs> well, I've known you for twenty years, so that was partly something to do with it. Also, the fact that you're not only are you wearing a Lions jersey, you have a Lions jersey behind you as well, in shot just to emphasize the point. Yeah, I'm wearing Stafford's jersey, of course, the legend Megatron. Behind me. Who's your favourite all-time line? Is it Megatron? I, Barry Sanders? Well, I sort of, I think because I, I do, maybe it is Megatron. I think it's between uh, Barry Sanders, Stafford and Megatron. So Stafford, Stafford is still in the running despite a, a mixed performance last night. Let, 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 let's take stock of the season so far, right? Let's start there because yesterday was, a, was another heartbreaker, really. Uh, losing to the Saints after blazing into another lead and blowing, blowing another lead. But going into the season, I was quite surprised about how many, how many people were really big on the Lions. They seemed to be one of those teams that there was a lot of buzz about for, for a deep run, which I guess spelled curtains the moment, the moment they became that team. But were you that confident going into the season? Were you thinking, this is finally going to be the year? No, not especially confident. I did think the division wasn't, the NFC North isn't that strong. I mean, I can't believe how well the Bears did in the first three games. And one of those was a fluke win against us. Mm. But, um, I thought they'd be, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, because I just don't trust Patricia's acquisitions, which is basically old Patriots players. And every player... Uh, there is something wrong with the coaching because every player plays worse than they have done in their. Pre- you know, we we never get see any improvement in these players that he acquired, like like you know Jamie Collins and all these other. They just don't seem to get better. They seem to just regress. Well, how much of that? I mean, coaching is this is, is so much to do clearly with what's happened because double digit leads and being blown what there's three times in four weeks now I know there was the freak thing as you say with with DeAndre Swift blowing it and so that you can't put that on on Patricia but when this becomes a bit of a trend you have to look at the coaches first and and specifically Patricia first if you are presiding we've talked about the same thing with Dan Quinn and, and the Falcons right if you're presiding over this culture where you are brittle and teams can get back at you that has to come ultimately or at least be that situation has to be arrested has to be prevented by the coaches doesn't it yeah take that pencil from behind your ear <laughs> and do some proper coaching i mean <laughs> rubbish I mean, there's no str- i mean what i, I was doing uh, another <laughs> i was doing another um interview about the lions for another online show and someone asked me a question about the lions in general and they've only had like, five double digit wins since 
in the last 50 years or something. <laughs> Yeah, they regularly lose double digits or they throw away leads. I mean, just coach. You can't coach the same way when you're, you know, 14 points in front. Our defence doesn't seem to be able to stifle things. I think that he seems to be, there's no, he's supposed to be a defensive coach, but you know, Drew Brees just tore us apart pretty easily. And you could say this is Drew Brees who is not operating in his full capacity. You know, Michael Thomas isn't there. And it's just... Still, we get totally picked apart. Our secondary, I mean, we traded Darius Slay. Mm. Jeff Akuda came in. He looks like one of the worst. I know it's hard. It's a hard position to learn and to pick up as a rookie. But, Particularly this season, right, as well. Yeah, but his pro football rating was something like 20, which is mm. awful, awful. He's been, he just looks not fast enough to be. He doesn't, he's just he's losing people on routes but he doesn't seem to have the pace to keep up with people and Trufant is just um, injury problems uh, Amura well, I can't pronounce his name Amurarie something like that we'll take it yeah it, it's just but there's no there's, the linebacking core isn't really working there's no pressure really at all from the defensive line it's like what, why are you what are you doing that's, I guess that must be the most frustrating thing for you because that's what Patricia was, was yeah. brought in ultimately to fix. It's the same thing with, with, I mean, there are a lot of parallels with Dan Quinn, you know, that, that he's a defensive genius, right? That's what, that's the book on Dan Quinn. And yet the, the Falcons are, are all over the shop defensively. And the same thing with, with the Lions. Patricia was brought in because he's his Belichick disciple and look what he achieved there. And it's often the way, and we, we talked about it a fair bit on the show, that it's a hard thing to replicate when you've had such a, dogmatic as such a powerful and successful head coach that you've worked under inevitably you want to borrow as much from that person as you you can but too many Belichick disciples seem to be incapable of balancing that with their own direction their own uh, own approach to it and um, you look at I don't know look at Bill O'Brien a similar situation there right in Houston that he can't seem to get the balance right yeah, I think he may. I think they've both done the same thing. With Bill O'Brien traded away Hopkins, which is the most probably one of the worst trades ever. The same things happened in Detroit, where the excuse was last year there were these personalities in the dressing room which were overriding Patricia. So yeah. he got rid of Slay and he got rid of I can't remember the other, the other um, safety they got rid of Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs. So they were the two sort of leaders, two defensive leaders. Diggs was having a great season as well. They got rid of those two. So now the excuse is this year, oh, right, well, he, now Patricia, runs the dressing room. Mm. And it's sort of make or break this year as to what, um, you know, what, what happens. And it's already, it's already broken. I mean, he's going to get sacked. It's just, I, I think it's going to be, the problem is there's so many bad teams, I think, this year trying to tank We'll mm. just do enough to get that the sixth round draft. I can pick up, pick another bust. Hopefully, pick another bust. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the game against the Saints, and, and particularly you keyed in on this that Drew Brees, who I think a lot of people are jumping to conclusions too quickly, saying he's he's fallen off a cliff. At the same time, demonstrably in the first few games of the season, he was struggling with a deeper ball, right? That and and so therefore we're asking questions. Well, has that totally gone from his arsenal yet? To, to emphasize your point, he had nine or attempted nine of 15 plus passes through the air. His average pass per completion was over nine, which was you know, a lot more significant. So this kind of dink and dunk, West Coast, fast paced, uh, uh, check down breeze we've seen in the first couple of games of the, of the season was 
left behind and it was more like the breeze breeze of old and the fact that he was doing that without i mean we know michael thomas was that Tracon smith stepped up sanders you know is a wily old bet and i think that probably helps in this situation but the fact that the saints offense was able to do this and breeze was able to do this against the lions must you know must be even more frustrating for you they, they against other teams they're able to stifle him but but with uh, breeze against matt patricia's secondary he was carving them up yeah i think that i think that sean payton knew that our secondary was dodgy and really weak mm. and i think we just had injuries got new players coming in yeah, that's the thing with this season you probably talked about it before where this is almost like the first two or three games almost a bit like pre-season really yeah right because what's happening you're just seeing massive score lines and where the, the basically that they've just the whole defense is struggling to keep up a little bit with some of the uh especially some of the passing as well i mean look at the, the cowboys guys we're seeing some crazy games and i think a lot of that is because they're just not 100 percent wired in and naturally if you're a quarterback i mean breeze has got experience but if he's got new receivers if they're running a different playbook they're going to play that sort of you know running slant routes and doing shorter passes i don't think that I think people get on Breeze's back. It's incredible how quick... Like the same with Stafford. People saying, mm. oh, Stafford has two bad games. He's awful. That just happened. You know, you will get that over the course of the season. You can't just say the players lost all their faculties. You can't, Nat. <laughs> what, what's, Patri- <laughs> what's Patricia like in press conferences? I haven't seen a huge amount of him and watched a huge amount of him in dealing with the media. Is he, he's, he's, quite, he's quite deadpan, isn't he, and laconic? I just think... I've watched him in his. Um, I always like to watch the coaches doing a, a dressing room talk to the players. Right, and I just thought he was came across as a bit of a of an oaf when I saw him t- talk to the players. Whereas so I really good. miss Jim Caldwell. I really miss mm. the calm, thoughtfulness of and professionalism of Jim Caldwell. I think with um, uh, Patricia. He's almost sort of a bit sulking as well, like it's mm. not really his responsibility. That uh, <laughs> I just can't go with the pencil. I can't get over. What is your theory on it? Is it like a comfort thing? It's just stupid. It's just pointless. I've never seen him use the pencil. <laughs> I've never seen him go, all oh, right, I better write something down. He just puts the pencil behind your ear. Why are you worried? If you're thinking about putting a pencil behind your ear, then you shouldn't be. I mean, I just have <laughs> some priorities. There are probably other things that, that he needs to address. Jim Corbett's a great shit because he remember how slagged off he was, and everyone said, "Oh, he's not strong enough to be a head coach." Because he was so cerebral, that that seemed to work against him, right? We, I mean, in all seriousness, would you? Do you think this Lions team? And I take your point about some of the personnel decisions have been a bit shady, but there's a lot of talent here. This is why there was a lot of buzz about them and, and they've played well for, for stretches of this season. Do you think uh, a, a coach like Caldwell, not exactly a celebrated head coach, but nevertheless, somebody who is, as you say, a calmer character, do you think he would have more success with this team? Do you think you would be a yeah, playoff contender? I, I don't know about play. I think because the, I think they're a wild card contender, possibly, because I think mm. the NFC is, seems to be, for the first time in ages, way behind the AFC. There seems to be a lot of strong teams in the AFC. And I think with Caldwell, we'd never really... We're getting these huge leads. 
would never really blow those leads mm. with an experienced coach. They just know, just do the run game. Just play. You've got, we've got Peterson, Adrian Peterson, having some bit of a renaissance with us. Yeah. Well, he was good last year. You've got John Dre Swift. You've got Kerryon Johnson. You've got like, three quality running backs. And yet, um, we just don't seem to be able to wear, you just get the lead, then you just wear the defense down. You make them play the run game. You do a slow, you tie them out. So you just, and, and then just gr- grind it through. Like, like the Browns did well, at the start of the game. Just proper grinding old school football. And we've got, I think, a fairly de- decent offensive line at the moment. And we've got the run game. So why not do that? And you got the Sorry, quarterback. You've, you've always been a big Stafford, uh, you know, big Stafford supporter, Stafford apologist. You got the quarterback to do that to pull that off. You leave with a run. You got that game. Uh, then, you know, that that double whammy of, of like the Seahawks have done, not so much this year, but like the Seahawks have done in the last couple of years, lead with the run and then let Stafford sucker punch you. I think that makes a lot of sense. Let's move on to that crazy Dallas Cleveland game, right? Because yeah, uh, what. Uh, is particularly astonishing for me, Marek, is just how easily the Browns ran over them without Nick Chubb. Chubb had, what, half a dozen carries before he went out? So this was Kareem Hunt mainly and Dearness Johnson. So <laughs> welcome to the NFL, Dearness Johnson. Yeah. They are averaging almost five yards a carry. They ran for over 300 yards. On Don't the forget goal. Kareem Hunt is brilliant. You know, he mm. had that, what was he, an assault charge or something bad he did. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, which is why the Chiefs got rid of him. But at the time, he was a leading right, like top three running back. Yeah. Basically, the Browns have got Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. He, he, he's fine to be a lead running back. He's talented mm. enough. So you, you just don't – I don't think there's going to be a real drop-off really there in their run game. And that other bloke, can't remember his name. Giannis <laughs> Johnson. Yeah, he looked good as well. Well, you know, I heard Simmons and Cousin Sal talking about this on, on their latest pod, uh, that we, we really downplay the value of running backs. That's been, you know, one of the, the regular themes of the NFL over, over recent years, or rather teams do, right? They're, they're undervalued, people say, uh, compared to other skill positions, right? And, and, and Simmons and Sal was, were arguing, you look at what's happened with the Panthers, you know, with McCaffrey going down, and they haven't, of course... Davis isn't the same, but it's they haven't demonstrably fallen off a cliff there. Mm. The, the Giants against that kept it quite tight against the Rams. The Devontae Freeman's come. It's a Saquon goes down, but uh, and we're seeing this more and more. And and it, it, that was really emphasised in this Cleveland Dallas game that Chubb's a hell of a player, no doubt about it. And and I take your point that Kareem Hunt's stock was low because it was off the field issues, and said that the Browns got. Um, you know, got some value there, and he's a, he's a hell of a player. Whatever you think about him, outside of the outside of the game, but they can just it's seemingly teams can slot in running backs more than ever, and and not suffer too much if they're elite player. And we'll talk about relates to the Cowboys and Zeke just having got paid, not really uh, there at all. Mm. I reckon it's only going to go further that trend of, of running backs being less and less valued, less and less paid. Yeah, I think there seems to be so many decent running backs. That's why. Or teams, I don't know if it's just me, it used to be teams had one great running back and now there's a lot more running by committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. De- depth in the backfield. Uh, the key player for that, I think, that was almost the tipping point or the turning point was, was Sean Alexander, right? The, for the Seahawks going back, God, ten, ten, over 10 years, right? So Alexander was that era when you were... Uh, 
a two three down back and you were just getting milked and, and I guess McCaffrey there's a danger here given how prominent he is in in that Panthers offense right but most of the time you would have your lead bell cow back and that you would just grind him down and chuck him away after two or three years it must be NFL mm-hmm. and that seems to that seems to change you can understand why they were getting paid more because of the volume I, I guess the closest parallel is is Derek Henry or something now with the with the mm-hmm. Titans where they are clearly the focal point of that offense and that's what's changed, that you can just mix and match now. And you have, as you say, running back by committee, two, three, as, as the Browns demonstrate. What is going on with this Cowboys team? Because Dak Prescott, uh, Chris Westling was pointing out, the Prescott's on, on, on course with something like 5,700 yards this season. I mean, it's ex- extraordinary what he's able to do. They're also in, in a situation where they are, like the Lions, I guess, at phases of the game, they look really really strong and you're really buying into them and then they are completely destroyed as they were in in the first half of this game last year for the last 10 years we would have said oh it's jason garrett it's the coaching mm. it's now nah, they don't have that excuse anymore unless unless mike mccarthy is a, a massive step sideways for them well i don't i think i mean they're incredible to watch even if you're a lot cowboys fans are hating it i mean Prescott is playing out of his skin and he's got you know, three great receivers. You Did know. you think they were going to pull it off then, the comeback? I really thought they I were. I thought so. <laughs> I literally thought because I was so... What, because of the, the previous... Was it the Falcons one? They, they, mm. um, I thought they were going to do it. Yeah. Just totally on fire when they're running at that hurry-up offense. You've got the threats. You know, they've got a really great... One of the top receiving cores there. Yeah. And Prescott is playing amazingly you know just finding space in the pocket hitting all the players i mean considering what the lack of lack of protection in places but the defense is abominable it and was worse yeah. than the lions i mean demarcus lawrence seems to have disappeared you didn't hear any of the names called at all it's just getting ripped apart i mean i know, I know they're playing against possibly the best receiving core out there but still they've got um Sorry, but they're playing against um, the, the Browns, who are very dynamic uh, offensively. You know, you've got some amazing sort of uh, running running back game. You've got you know Beckham to watch out for, but and all the trick the trickery as well, right? So getting Landry mixed, you that know, Landry touchdown was amazing. That was superb, and Beckham. I mean, this was a game he needed, right? Because everybody had. And and a head scratchingly so. Same thing with the Browns, right? Oh, it's Freddie Kitchens. That's why they're so bad. He's not ready to be a head coach. That's why they're Mm. so dysfunctional. But Stefanski comes in, and yet Beckham for the first three games of the season is is anonymous. And oh, is he going to get traded? Who's going to come in for Beckham? Will Beckham go to the Patriots? and then he has a game like this, the catch from Landry, the end around, which he broke through for, for, for the score, which, which pretty much locked the game down. Beckham was lights out last night, wasn't he? He seems to be one of those players that just, um, you know, performs when he starts doing well. He, he's quite an emotional player. And he's, quite, yeah. he's quite sort of Marmite player. I personally don't like him. But he, <laughs> Why he not? Has... You mean you don't like him because of his attitude? Yeah, because of his personality. I mean, he'll... When he does something well, over celebrate it. Yet he disappears for some games. He completely disappears, and it seems to me he's one of those players that just catches fire, mm. and then he has that electric game. Mm. And also, he got the comp. He realised that this Cowboys defense was pretty porous, and it, they would. Ju- I mean, half it can go to Beckham, half it can be attributed to 
the Cowboys just missing tackles and some really shoddy tackling from the defense there. The I mean, crazy start on Beckham. Crazy. Crazy start on Beckham, Marek. That was his first two-score game as a Cleveland Brown. Oh, really? We consider the amount of money and the level that he is expected to be at. Certainly wasn't last year and, and up until this game this year, right? He's meant to be in that collection of, what, 8, 10 elite, receive, elite number ones, right? You know, yeah. and, and, and to, considering, and I know there's been a lot of other reasons for that, and we'll get on to Baker Mayfield in a, in a minute, but that is, that is, was, was a striking stat for me that, that jumped out. Let's talk Baker, actually, because mm-hmm. he had... We were doing the game, obviously, with live radio show, Red Zone, lots of things flying around. So you kind of get you got a sense that the Browns were, were, were carving the Cowboys up in, in the first half. And clearly you could see they were doing it on the ground and, and the trickery. But Mayfield looked, looked pretty composed as well. The second half was, was a different story by and large. But then I looked at the stat line at the end. And this is one of those things where you look at the stat line, you go back and look at the performance again, and the two things don't necessarily align. If you just looked at the box score here, you'd think... Baker Mayfield didn't really have a great game and it was everyone around him that, that offensively certainly that elevated the brands to where they were at. But, but he was connecting, sure, there were mistakes in there, but he was connecting as fluently as I've ever seen him uh, as, as a Brown. I wonder if this game might be the one that he turns the corner because the, the confidence they'll get from the victory, the fact that they demonstrated this expansive offense that they can in the same way. And and before listeners get carried away, I'm saying they're like the chiefs uh, identically. The chiefs have so many different weapons, so many different types of, uh, of weapon that that's one of the hardest things that they can mix it all up. And we talked about that on, on the show with Phoebe last week, that that Belichick said, that's one of the hardest things to deal with the, with the chiefs and Andy Reid is not just the design of the plays, but within that, those plays, he will mix and match personnel in different positions and it's interchangeable. And the Browns have a sense of that as well, as as we saw with Landry and and Beckham and everything else. I wonder if this is a a huge game merit for, for Baker that that he will turn the corner now. I'm not convinced by him. He always seems to be best when he's rolling out of the pocket and half scrambling mm. and, you know, improvising, really. I just think he's a bit of a poor man's Russell Wilson. And maybe the Browns were hoping for someone as incredible as Russell Wilson is when they drafted him mm. in what was, was... I just think that... Uh, you know, you've got that inherent trust in quarterbacks. You sort of have. Yes, totally. Or you have inherent trust in Brady, in Mahomes, you have in Rodgers. You just trust them. I never feel mm. like I'm 100% won over by Baker Mayfield. I, don't I, know, I know exactly what Whether it's his height thing, whether I think he's going to get passes knocked down, whether he can sit, whether he reads the does always reads quickly enough. I just don't I know. A lot of his composure and, and, and I guess reliability, right? And reliability doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a, a functional Tannehill or, or even Alex Smith type player. It just means that you consistency, I guess. Right. And, mm. and, and this is, is appropriate a lot to someone like Fitz or a, a career backup who goes through these streaks and can blaze it up either within a game or streaks during a season. And then, peaks and troughs because he just can't get that consistency mm. I think a lot of it is to do with all of those things and it can be a rookie quarterback we were we were chatting on the show I can't remember who with about 
Joe Burrow already demonstrating that. Justin Herbert, who we'll talk about in a minute as well, like seems to have like straight away to me anyway. You, you believe they belong. You buy into them. They they see they've got a lot of flaws yeah. because they're rookies and they're making mistakes. But it's the eye test. Like straight away, you just watch them and they just seem composed. They're not phased. But you're right. Mayfield has that slight uh, look. A lot of it, I guess, was particularly early on in, in the Brown in his Browns career. He was not having a huge amount of time. Right. Yeah, I think he was being forced to release faster than. Um, than than many because of the pressure he was under. But yeah, I'm with you. He just doesn't. You'd, if you were gambling a lot of money on a game, Baker Mayfield would not would not be high up on uh, on, on staking and backing and bringing that bet home. Well, I think you 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 made the perfect comparison with Joe Burrow, and I've watched mm. him. You know, obviously, you always keep an eye on the you know the number one pick, and he just looks. Like, a, I think he's going to be great. Already, he just, I'm in, I've got this faith installed in Joe Burrow. Yeah. The way he stands in the pocket, the way he sort of take hits, he'll make mistakes, but you think, I can just tell you're good. I can tell you can, you're a bit more dynamic. Like Baker Mayfield can't really stay in, for me, doesn't, he's too short. He can't really stay in the pocket. He's mm. always best rolling out of the pocket. Whereas Joe Burrow, just, there's an innate feel to Joe Burrow, which, uh, it's, I can't it was some sort of intangible thing I can't explain yeah. it but I feel like alright he was definitely the, the, his leadership qualities and his, his sort of calmness to him um, and the way you can see him analysing the game and some of the things he does and even with Herbert as well like Herbert was uh, a bit more raw but then he just Herbert made some incredible throws yeah didn't he right that some really great deep balls and some really great, you know, ball to side. I thought oh, this is this guy's got that in his arsenal. Two receivers as well. It's worth pointing out with Herbert, who were some undrafted. I think three of them were undrafted three free agents that you yeah, had. yeah. It was a great to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, it was. On that, where are you with Josh Allen? If we move on to the to the Bills game, um, Buffalo uh, improving uh, their unbeaten record, beating the Raiders. Uh, in the end, comfortably, the Raiders had chances. Uh, the Darren Waller fumble, I guess, was the real turning point. I think after that, the, the, the Bills were able to close things down. They lost a lot of momentum there, the Raiders. Josh Allen is being really hyped up this year, Merrick. Bringing that back to what we were just saying about quarterbacks that have this combination of things, he definitely has that dynamism, right? He's got that playmaking ability and not, and not just because he's a great runner, because he can, he can air it out and he can fire it in laser sharp. But he certainly going into this season was definitely one of those quarterbacks that was erratic and that you were, I, I certainly wasn't convinced in that he was stable enough to preside over a serious team. Has that changed for you now? Do you, or yeah. Is, I mean, it's one of the few times is, is that I've changed my opinions on the quarterback. I was listening to the commentary, I was watching a bit of the Bills game. I'm so glad they're doing well because the Bills deserve totally a brilliant fan set. They're brilliant. I really like the Bills. I'm so glad they look like they, they look genuinely exciting. They're playing this energy and it's all coming from him. When he first came to the league, I thought, all oh, right, this is another Blake Bortles type draft of these players <laughs> yeah, who yeah. are, you know, athletically, they tick all the boxes athletically yeah. and they just don't, right, they've got a cannon arm, but there's no accuracy. And after two years, their decision-making gets worse and worse. He seems to have gotten better, a lot better. He looked pretty sharp in this game. Mm. He was making his passes and the, the velocity, which he throws it, allows him, 
he, uh, what I like about them, they've got like John Brown at receiver. They've got Cole Beasley, uh, two untrendy receivers. They've turned into look, look like great receivers. Beasley's um, a, a, been incredible. He's always been good though. He's always been good, but he's not like he's never cool, is he? <laughs> and then they've got Stefan Diggs. Obviously, he was a bit of a causing problems personality-wise at Minnesota. Now he's a number one receiver there, which he's not. He's not competing with Adam Thielen. You know, he's like the guy. He's getting all the passes, and they look. With Devin Singletree, looks a great running back. They just look good. They look. He looks. You can. Josh Allen looks massive and strong. He's firing that ball in there, really accurate. He's playing with his confidence. You can tell the whole team have sort of realised that they're good. There's sort of. There's a sort of before certain teams have buzz about them, and I yeah. think the Bills. I mean, some great teams in the AFC, but I think. That, Bills going to win it. The Bills going to. I hope they do win it. the AFC East. I can yeah. see them in the championship game. I can really see it. I think they're excited at the moment. Yeah, I mean, all round because defensively as well. They, I mean, look, they kept Josh Jacobs quiet. He had 15 carries, 48 yards, and, and Jacobs. I like that Raiders team. I think they're quite. They're quite a good Raiders team. They're not bad, you know. Mm. Uh, I, I I like um, Derek Carr. He's he's got divided uh, opinion, Carr, right? And he 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 did okay, I think, because the Bills were getting to him. Uh, a lot and that's the book on car i guess is that he struggles particularly under pressure right but he uh, he looked quite composed uh, and look I, I i i just think he's in this perennial situation because look, you're, there's talent around them they will contend they've, they've demonstrated that this season i think they'll be there you know you could see them nine and seven maybe squeaking a while yeah, yeah. at 10 and six but i don't know if he's ever going to do enough to to convince gruden he's he's the guy i, I think he's he's too erratic for what Gruden wants and I don't know whether this style of offense and what they're asking him to do unless look unless they can really start to enforce the run game more than they did against the Bills last night because the Bills had that closed down and and forced Carr to beat them a different way and they weren't able to do it uh so big win for Buffalo out of you talk about the AFC East but widening that out Marek to, to the AFC who do you think, if you think Buffalo are championship contenders, AFC championship contenders, who else is with them as the, the best in show so far after four weeks? Well, the big three, obviously, is Chiefs, Ravens, and I think the Bills are now in that group. Mm. That's what I'd say. The Patriots are always going to be there. I just thought, I think the Colts might... I mean, the, I looked at the Browns' schedule, and the Browns have got to play the Jags, they've got to play the Giants and the Jets, and they've got the Bengals again. And you've got to look at the Browns making the playoffs as well. And I think, um, I don't know. I mean, Denver, obviously, have got problems at quarterback problems. The Chargers are just in transition. The Raiders don't feel like they're there yet. Um, well, oh, the Titans are the other. There's the fourth one. So, you'd say that, you know, divisional will be the Titans, Bills, uh, Ravens, and uh, and Chiefs, and then the wild cards. I reckon probably Patriots. It's always going to be the Patriots, isn't it? Patriots, Browns, and it's three. Isn't it? And Colts three this year, isn't it? What do you make of the Colts last night? Because it slug kind of grounded out. I mean, they were they were handed the game in many respects because the Bears' offense was was terrible, and and you know this move to away from uh, from Mitch Trubisky to, to Foles might come back to haunt them. But we knew that they were inflated at 3-0 and the Bears and what I think was most disappointing was we expected this really interesting battle between the Bears D and, and 
the Colts' offensive line. And they had a lot of opportunities, the Colts. It was really just not taking those opportunities, particularly in the red zone, that, that uh, made the scoreline a bit more flattering to the Bears. But the Colts were in control of that game pretty much from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, they don't seem to be convincing everybody yet. They've had a fairly easy schedule, I guess, the Colts. Rivers, people are concerned with, if, despite everything he's achieved, with, with his propensity to be erratic in clutch situations. So I guess that slightly concerns people. But they seem to be, like the Bills, pretty balanced, maybe not as many weapons uh, as Buffalo, but they're strong and organized defensively. They, they, they're going to be there or thereabouts, you'd think. Yeah, I thought the defense was really good. And I think Rivers, you know, I don't know if Rivers, over the last two years, he seems to have you know, been making a lot more mistakes, especially last season, the Chargers. You can see why they moved on from him. But I think you can do a job for them. You know, he's better than Jacoby Brissett, you know. Um, so I think, I think they're going to be there or thereabouts, I think. I think Rivers will, you know, start to click, and and, they're, and the defense they're, they're, is going to keep them in games, like you know, with Buckner and Houston. A lot of people raving about Julian Blackman as well. Uh, so I, I could, thought their running back Jonathan Taylor was great. Yeah, he, he terrific. Looked, he looked yeah. really great, and I think if he can stay healthy, I was really impressed by him. So again, that, that goes back me. to what we said before, right? Marlon Matt goes down. Oh, is that how you know big an issue is that going to be? They haven't haven't really missed him at all. So, so okay, that's interesting. Let's move on to the NFC. Same thing, actually. I'm going to ask you about about the NFC and, and about the Bucks in particular because they were you know in a fight for sure. And and credit to Justin Herbert for for taking the game to to Brady and and emphasizing our point. They didn't didn't seem phased by that at all. And Brady was off uh, color for a lot of the certainly the first half right defense is getting offenses out of jail was was a bit of a theme not literally uh, last uh, uh, yesterday because well the waller play josh norman uh, and, and on the darren waller uh, causing the turnover there same thing in the bucks Chargers game so tampa bay couldn't get it rolling offensively and then and Dominican Sue comes up with a huge play that gives the ball back to brady and the offense right on the goal line so they punch that in and that seemed to change the whole momentum yeah, I think it was a big turning point. Uh, it was one of those games where <laughs> I, I always knew the Bucks were going to win. Mm. It's really odd. I think weather, I think my brain has been programmed through years of watching Brady that I instinctively don't doubt the fact they're going to come back and win. <laughs> right. so even in, in respect to what happened, I thought, oh, the Chargers are doing well for uh, temporarily. Yes. Uh, and then Brady's going to suddenly just click and take them apart because he's just so relentlessly methodical. Are you enjoying watching Brady in Tampa Bay? Um, it's such an odd thing watching Tom Brady because there's no real flair. There's no flair to it. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a sort of German football team. <laughs> where he's just precise and accurate. You never think, oh, wow, what I never feel amazed by his plays, but he's just consistently good and just seems to, the force of will seems to literally crush the opposition. I'm enjoying seeing the whole new, I mean, I think there's a really good partnership between Brady and Mike Evans. And if anything, in recent years, Brady has not, he had Edelman, but yeah. his receiving core, 
New England was not great for the last two or three seasons. And now, while well, Godwin's down, mm. people talk about Godwin being the star receiver, but I love Mike Evans. I think he's one of the best receivers. He's just a great physical receiver, does everything. And I can see that partnership really starting to flourish. He plays with menace Evans. as well. With Mike Evans, if something doesn't go right for Mike Evans, he just <laughs> looks absolutely incandescent. Yeah, he's terrifying. Yeah. Generally terrifying. He slaughters three sheep before each game, <laughs> allegedly. That's not true. Allegedly. Not true. That allegedly. True. Brady found uh, nine other receivers uh, other than Mike Evans. Ten receivers he found uh, yesterday in the 38-31 in the win. Oh, as in connected with them, completed passes. <laughs> well, just hanging around, <laughs> hanging around the locker room. With Listen, <laughs> I know we had a good relationship, Randy, but that's over. <laughs> Can't Wes, just follow me around to uh, Florida, all right? Wes Welker was there. Wes Welker? <laughs> yeah. Look, why are you even – you're just in your underwear, Wes Welker. You're not even playing. What are you doing in, in the changing room? Now, you can't be – I know you want to be the slot receiver, but you can't – just put some clothes on, Wes. <laughs> Wes Welker. Where were the sheep in all this is what I want to know. Was Welker involved in that or – Sheep? Yeah, but you just said that Mike Evans slaughtered three sheep before. Did you forget you said that? I forgot I said that. <laughs> Amazing. Ten different receivers he connected with. Uh, Brady, this is. Five touchdowns. So he's in, he's a good nick. I mean, because it, it, let's not forget, there were question marks about whether Brady was, maybe not to the same degree as Breeze, but whether Brady was regressing. Remember last year, a lot of people, Brady's yeah. regressing. I've seen it now. His mechanics, he's just not the same. And, to your point, which is a great one, the offense in New England was terrible last year in terms of the weapons around him. He had yeah. Nikhil Harry, who was a raw rookie. Mo Sanu couldn't. Edelman was the only one that, as you said, that was doing anything really. Yeah. So, so this idea he's fallen off the cliff, I think, was was ridiculous. And it's good to see he's proving that. And even he threw some a couple of deep balls. Yeah. Which is the big test where you think someone's. I mean. It's always Manning. I always think back to Peyton Manning in his last season when he could barely throw it 15 yards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brady's arm is still there. He was throwing a couple of deep balls, and I thought that's not, that is not a problem at all for him. Eckler uh, on the Chargers side, uh, Austin Eckler, hamstring injury out of the game, so therefore out with a hammy for a couple of weeks at least. And Josh Kelly was, was the player who uh, fumbled it, and Domakunsu caused, caused mm. the turnover from. Um, but going back to those re- that receiving core, I just looked that up as we talked about it earlier that, that Herbert was dealing with. Uh, all four Chargers touchdowns were undrafted free agents. That, yeah, incredible. It's incredible that Herbert's doing that. I think it's great. But also you've got, well, he went to Keenan Allen a lot. And I think Keenan Allen is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. I think he's spectacular. Yeah. He destroyed, when they played the Lions, he destroyed Darius. They totally destroyed him. Every time I see him play, he does something incredible. Um, Do you think it's because, is it, is, it is it the market? You hear the argument that he's, he's playing for a, a, I know it's crazy that LA's, LA's obviously a, 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 you know, a big market in so many ways, but the Chargers are a small market team, right? Is that the problem? Is that he's playing for an unfashionable team? Yeah, maybe. I don't understand. I think that, I think the Chargers, I mean, that they're going to be, if Herbert works out, and they get a decent draft. This is like a building year for the Chargers. So it just shows they've got uh, a talent there. If they can get a couple of good receivers, I don't think they're that far away from being a great side. Yeah, Maybe I, it is. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why Keenan Allen is not um, spoken of 
as hard. I think maybe slot receivers aren't generally, you know, it's always the sort of mm. deep ball receivers that uh, get all the all, all the plaudits. But he's one of the best route runners I've seen, if not the best, I think, in the NFL. He's incredible. He just always seems to make space. You know, Herbert Herbert stepping up is a is a bonus because he wasn't a sure thing. And and on that, my next question for you is about going forwards for the Lions because Stafford, as we've established, you're a big fan, but is coming towards the finals phase of his career. That could still be in, what, another five years, realistically? But he's had he's, injuries. Th- he's 33, I think. Oh, okay. Which is not okay. even... So maybe I'm, I'm overstating that. that bit. So you would... Yeah, I don't know. I'll look up exactly how old he is. Because he, he came... You don't forget, he came into the NFL. He was 20 when he got drafted. Wow. So a lot of players, they come in, you know, they're 23 or something like that. So already yeah, yeah, he yeah. had three seasons before. Um, I'm just looking him up now. Because Darnold was the... Yeah, Sam, Sam Darnold came in with... He's 32. 32. Wow. Okay, so he's got... But he has been, you know, he has he has taken some knocks, of course, last year most significantly. But yeah, so he's got a fair amount in the tank. So, so with Stafford going forwards, do you would you you stick like any situation? You stick with him unless there's there's a clearly better option. And in free agency and with the veterans around, by and large, that's going to be hard to find realistically, right? Because those that are, are fundamentally better than Stafford at, at the moment. In, from the veterans' point of view, are locked into to, to massive deals. So, from a rookie perspective, if there is a sure thing that comes through, so take Trevor Lawrence, right? People are saying he is even more than Burrow this year. He is, I think, Will Gavin on the radio, our radio show last night said it's like Andrew Luck. You know, there's a quarterback that comes along every ten years that you know that quarterback is going to be a lock. Would you trade in Stafford for a player like that? Well. Or- if if a player like Herbert comes along, say, or Tua, or players that we don't know, you don't know for sure about any of them, but we don't know for sure. There's an element of doubt. Would you, if the opportunity arose that the Lions had that option to take a young quarterback in the next next year's draft or the year after, what do you think they should do? I feel sorry for Stafford, really. I mean, I've watched a bit of the college. I've watched some Trevor Lawrence highlights. And there's Justin Fields as well, mm. who's, who would be getting all the plaudits if it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence. And there's another guy called Trey Lance. I think it's good. But there's those two, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. They look like they're proper, a bit like when Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin III came in, when they're right. the two huge picks there. But they're not going to get... The Lions, I don't think they'll be... I mean, the Jets are properly tanking. The Carolina Panthers are supposed to be tanking, but avoiding doing that. <laughs> like, the, right. like the Jaguars are going to tank. And I think the Giants think are worse than the Lions. They're not feasible to get these two. And also, you do that, you're rebuilding again. You're, I mean, the Lions seem to be always rebuilding. It's exhausting, constantly rebuilding. And just when they get to that point, they lose the players because no one wants to play there. Would I give get rid of Stafford? I think he's got another five years in him. And I don't think mm. you're going to find another quarterback that good. When he came through, he was the number one draft pick, you know. Mm. And he is still... Brilliant. He's got a winning mentality. I mean, he must want to give up. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Stafford went, do you know what? I want to go somewhere nice. I want to go somewhere where I could have a chance of winning a, a championship, you know, where he could be, uh, just turn the team around. Like, I mean, for example, the Bears. <laughs> he wouldn't go there, yeah. never trained the Bears, but, you know, 
they've got that great deal already and they've got um i really like callan robinson they've got some and that miller receiver looks good i don't know i'd, I'd start to keep with i think you're just you, it takes you two years to do anything with a rookie quarterback i think so just stick with stafford that brings it back to patricia a little bit as well though because if you're talking about just for please give us some continuity for once then if this season isn't a disaster right so you say you miss out on the playoffs but you go eight and eight seven and nine maybe there's an argument to stay with patricia and just say look continuity usually to the most part i mean it hasn't really happened say in jacksonville right with with doug marone but generally yeah. speaking if you stick with a the coach then it tends to come around you tend to get it, the coach will eventually get it sorted so so maybe as opposed to completely rebuilding again with a new coach and maybe a new quarterback that there needs to be a, a bit of faith kept in Patricia. No, he's rubbish. <laughs> I think he's in one of the worst. Well, Adam Gase is doing quite badly, but then Patricia, I'd say, was the second worst coach. Who would you like to have? Who'd be your dream head coach? Out of, out, I mean, Bruce anyone? Arians. Arians. I think Bruce Arians yeah. would be really good there. Who's got a strong Detroit connection that would be. Wayne Fonts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kid Rock. Of, Kid, Kid Rock. Rock. Kid Rock. As Wayne Fonts with Kid Rock as the offensive coordinator. Yes. <laughs> Those two. She's driving up and down the sidelines on a Harley. Yeah. Wayne Fonts. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> okay. Out of current NFL head coaches or coordinators, Who's anyone got an emotional connection with Detroit that you could kind of tug on the heartstrings, make us great again? Well, maybe Jim Swartz would come back, but we had all those. He was quite, he's the defensive coordinator at Philly, mm. but he was before Caldwell, but he just, there was no discipline with him. But at least there was passion. And at least, I mean, he said, I don't think anyone. Why would anyone want to go to a rebuilding side? I mean, I think they're going to have to get a college coach. What about Jim Harbour? I mean, Jim Harbour would be amazing. Yeah, because he's got... He's I mean, in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, yeah so Michigan. he, could go, he was He was at the Lions as a player for a bit, right? Back in the day. He probably wouldn't want to leave Michigan because they'd probably pay him more. It's you, a could say, like, you could stay in Michigan and do part-time at the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> you can ch- like when a manager has a club team and Northern, a manager's Northern Ireland or yeah. Wales. Or something. You, yeah. Michigan, just do Michigan Monday to Friday and just come in on Sunday morning and then uh, do the Lions then. <laughs> just, just for game day. Yeah. Need to, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we solved that. All right. Um, what else should we get into from yesterday? Well, let's talk Texans because they've fallen to 0-4 now. And we knew that they were going to have a, a terrible start to the season, most likely in terms of record because how tough it was, right? But that felt like a must-win game, right? You know, because the, the Vikings have been awful. And stats are on their head now because the playoffs are extended and everything else. So we can't say, well, teams who go 0-4 have a 1% chance of making the playoffs. But it's pretty unlikely now that the Texans are going to make the playoffs. JJ Watts come out and said something needs to change. Deshaun Watson is an unbelievable player that is once again just getting the sparks knocked out of him because of a porous offensive line and mm. no real serious weapons to go to. It just feels like a complete mess there. I, I just think that trade says, the trade of Hopkins, the worst trade, one of the worst trades in the last 10 years, mm. it just seemed to just, totally one thing just knock totally changed the side yeah i'm surprised how poor they've been 
I thought they would do. I thought they'd turn over the Vikings, but I think Dalvin Cook is an exceptional running back. Um, and just uh, and Deshaun Watson's had quite a long <laughs> career of just scrambling in the pocket and making plays. And you've got to look at, and they've just paid him all that money. You've got to protect him because if you've got that's your star player, you've got already shipped off his number one target. I mean, I mean Will Fuller's all right, but um, if he gets goes down, which he will do eventually, if he's going <laughs> to buy, you know, just percent laws of percentages, uh, he'll get an injury if he get he's going to get that have to escape constantly. I think the Texans could be in real trouble in the future. It's amazing the the turn the turnaround from sort of quite an, a dynamic, exciting squad. How things seems to have changed there. Brandon Cooks didn't have a single catch yesterday because you, you could conceivably see Cooks not filling the void of of Hopkins, but you could see him contributing. He should, you would assume that if they're going to contend, he's got to contribute something, nothing there. David Johnson had that bright first game, didn't he? But uh, hasn't necessarily done much since. He had 16 carries, 63 yesterday yeah. against the Vikings. And the, the Vikings, want, I, I talk about and blame and, and highlight the Texas offensive line, but there wasn't a huge amount of pressure on uh, Watson yesterday compared to other, uh, other games this season where he's just been, you know, thrown around like a rag doll at times. It wasn't as bad as that so back to the hot seat question o'brien because of his role as well belichickian gm and head coach gig that he's got going on so that's gonna be a huge move to remove him from the organization because it means there are two big spots to fill but he's got to be on the hot seat you've got gaze you've got patricia marone seems to be kind of battling for his job because the, the jags are at least a plucky Mm. Who is the most likely to go first? Ethan, now we're a quarter of the way through the season. Who's the most likely head coach to, to move on, be, be moved on first? Dan Quinn as well? I think, I mean, the problem with this season especially is everything's so up in the air. We don't know if any games are going to be moved or cancelled or whatever. Yeah. You're almost, it's almost a pointless exercise sacking your coach you might as well just ride the season out and get <laughs> get through it and see what happens. And I think there's... I guess, uh, I guess the argument I hear, and, and that's fair enough, I suppose that if you you can just pick up the pace on, on all those other teams you mentioned that will probably be doing the same thing, right? You can yeah, yeah, yeah. get ahead of the curve and, and start to line up who, who you want. I don't, but what I don't are the good coaches out there? I don't know who's going who's gonna to leave... There, uh, other than not, getting not a college mid-season. coast, yeah, not mid-season, but I mean, you could start the recruitment process quicker, and that some people suggest that gives you a bit of an edge. I'm not sure I totally buy into that because I think ultimately you're talking it's a semantic point. Maybe that if you you know you you fire your coach a month before these guys do, is it going to really? You, that, if you're thinking about it now, you're already thinking about the succession plan and who you might be going for. So uh, I, I'm not I'm not sure I totally buy it. But who do you think all of those coaches could go by the end of the season? I mean, all of the ones we mentioned. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I think O'Brien's sort of handled things quite badly in the off season. I think Patricia's not uh, talented enough to be a head coach, um, and I think Gaze is just where well, the Jets are properly. Uh, I mean, Darnold seems to be regressing. They, mm. look, they absolutely suck. And they want to get... move on. Would they move on from Donald if they would had the number one overall pick? Yeah, and, and I think they would. They deal Donald. 
I think the Jets are going to be the have the number one pick, mm. and I think they will go. And my interesting thing is if the Giants move on from um, old Daniel Uzma flip, Danny Dimes. Yeah. So if they get the number two pick, whether they change their QB as well, mm. or the Redskins, you know, or I think Washington, all, yeah. yeah, I think I think Dwayne Haskins was a poor pick. I don't think he's good enough to lead that star. And they've got quite a lot of young talent there as well. So um, I think I'd like to see the Jets be good again. The Jets have been bad for ages. And it'd be nice to see a team who hasn't had a good quarterback since probably Joe Namath. <laughs> Maybe Chad Pennington, I don't know. You know, it'd Ken, be nice yeah, to see Chad them. Was, Ken O'Brien was good back in the... Back oh, yeah, Ken O'Brien, yeah. You he just air out. My biggest fear was that the Patriots were going to tank and then get Trevor Lawrence, and you think, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, they still might. I mean, because Cam testing, uh, testing positive for COVID, and you alluded to it, we don't know clearly how the season's going to play out with regards to the COVID interruption, but it's a massive issue and concern for the NFL, isn't it? Because it's not like the other major American sports and how they've been able to deal with the pandemic and play through it, whether it's a bubble with the NBA or whether it's just cramming games in yeah. to catch up like the, like baseball, the NFL can't do that. So it seems inevitable there will be more outbreaks. And I know that people say, well, the Vikings, there wasn't, you know, there were no cases there. So look at that. And, and, and the Titans are going to be investigated in terms of well, exactly why there was such a, a widespread outbreak, but it makes sense. Doesn't it matter? They're going to be more, of these you think statistically yeah I think it's going to be I think the whole season is going to be a really weird season mm. I mean if it hits the playoffs that'll be interesting the whole squad gets decimated in the playoffs or a starting quarterback right so yeah, say if, you look, if Mahomes or something like that goes down then you look at the then you're pretty much if you if you if you, if you lose your starting quarterback in the playoffs mm. and the caliber of the opposition pretty much means you're going to struggle to win Mm. With the exception of someone like Nick Foles, who started later on, maybe Doug Williams with Redskins back in the eighties. Uh, but yeah. to win playoff games with a backup quarterback is pretty tough. Yeah, and I bet I bet we see that. I bet a big name goes down. Mm. Well, Newton's already got it, but um, in the playoffs or some key matches, it'd be fascinating to see what happens. And when they take bye weeks out of the way as well, because at the moment the Steelers Titans, that's how they've rejigged it, and and given essentially week four that we've just had that's been their bye week and they then play when they were meant to and they realigned the, the Ravens game with, the, with with Pittsburgh so they could yeah. jiggle it around but when the bye weeks have gone and then to what they're extending into the off season and the regular season into the off season well, everything are they taking back. all the bye weeks out now? For those two they've had the, so the Steelers and the Titans have basically had their bye weeks now because Yeah so I think they should what happens I mean they should just go do you know what we're going to take all the bye weeks out mm. because they're going to need those, I think. Because if you oh, have just, a bye week, because it gets to the point when teams have bye weeks and then they get hit, there's no uh, bye. Then they get, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You almost want to take them out now yeah. as some insurance for for it. I think. Well, Andrew Brandt was telling us uh, on our radio show that they've already got a contingency plan to, to with 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 Tampa and the Super Bowl to have it later on in the year if they need to. Right, so. They, there won't be in any rush. And we, we were discussing the opportunity that it creates for the NFL, which they must be wise to as well, that if they have to 
change they will have to change the schedule most likely and then put a game on a friday night and a tuesday night and guess what a wednesday night and and i wonder if they don't look back then ben isaacs was saying, yeah yeah friend of the show ben was saying that saturday's a a sacred because of college and the nfl probably won't try and risk that as in putting games on saturdays and starting going forwards post-covid scheduling them but it wouldn't surprise me because this is how exactly what happened with football right and, and, and the premier mm. league that you never played games on days other than saturday three o'clock and then you had sunday games and monday night football remember monday night football launch friday night football in the premier league everyone was up in arms at a pool but now everybody's fine with it everybody rolls with it so i could see the nfl rolling that out well, the beauty of the season is, you know, it's September till January. Mm. So you've got February, March, April, May, June, July You to, to play. <laughs> They're never right. not going to play yeah. the games. They can just spread it over the course of the, the year. You know, I think there'll be, always be a, a way to reschedule it. So I don't feel like the season's going to collapse in, in that way. It's just what we do when, if a couple of players, what, Say Mahomes gets COVID, basically, mm-hmm. yeah, in the AFC Championship game. And then the other side, the Bills, maybe, for example, is scheduled in. He tests. Do you postpone the game? or But the Bills would want to play the game. You know, they want to go. Of course, they want to go. <laughs> yeah, we want to play the Chiefs without Mahomes. Yeah. How they work that out, you know, and what happens. It wouldn't be fair to... It wouldn't be fair to... Um, to postpone the game because a player goes down because you can't discriminate but obviously there is a fundamental difference between a, a, an elite player going down and a, and a third stringer going down but you, you can't discriminate it's not fair on the opposition they, they would have the Chiefs would have to play I'm sure, you know it would be an uproar if they said oh hang on we'll give you an extra week sir, or two weeks you know and then he can play again it, yeah I, I can't see that happening but it, undoubtedly going to be twists and turns one more for you uh, Marit before we let you go because time is against us Sunday night football and a, and a win for the Eagles, which means that they are now top of the NFC East. Is that the, is that the, it's the worst division of football, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, clearly the worst division yeah. of football. Are we writing off the Eagles a bit too soon? Washington, as you say, are not great. They're some interesting players defensively and, and, and rebuilding. We knew that. The Giants are terrible. Dallas are erratic. Eagles have been really banged up and only a week ago Carson Wentz was being written off and he'll never be the same and maybe they should move on from Carson Wentz and all of this but he he fought hard in, in Sunday Night Football do you think we've been a little bit too quick given what this Philly team has achieved uh, in, in recent years to write him off I don't think they look that great I mean, that's playing against the 49ers with a backup quarterback who they replaced. They replaced the Niners with, yeah. with CJ Bita. I mean, pronounce the name properly. And the, and the, the 49ers almost won with a Hail Mary mm. in the last second. Uh, the, the, the Eagles haven't been great since they won the Super Bowl. They've yeah, not really true. performed. I don't really like their set of receivers. I don't think that they're that spe- spectacular. Vince is... He's not really blown me away. And even I would say I've been more impressed with um, Jared Goff lately than Carson Fentz. I think Jared Goff seems to have improved his accuracy and seems to be moving the ball out his hands a lot quicker, whereas Fentz doesn't seem to be as dynamic as he was pre-injury. So, um, but still, uh, <laughs> I can't see how the Eagles, I mean, 
It's between the Eagles and the Cowboys for that playoff yeah, position. Yeah, I think the Cowboys will walk it in the end. Yeah, yeah. I like as well. You went quite German on Vince then. I quite like Vince. <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Well, is I do Carson that as well. Vince? I do that as well. The quarterback for the Eagles is the Carson Vince. <laughs> so he eats the sauerkraut before each game. <laughs> So the passing is not as good as it used to be. Mike Evans has sheep. Vince has sauerkraut. This is we're building something. Hey, listen, that's reminded me. I'm sorry that two I know point, the two point book game. <laughs> the, Every um, time I'm on the podcast, I do it. I, do I it. talk to you about the two about the it. the secret book and when to go to two points and when to uh, go for the extra point. Yes. And you say next time I'm going to talk. I'm going to find <laughs> out about this. <laughs> Suddenly, and there's a guy on Twitter who keeps yeah. asking, and he's right to ask the question. I'm sure he will again. Is not is, you've not looked into it. I spent a good couple of minutes <laughs> looking up something Before online. I came on. Couldn't be yeah, exactly, and I couldn't find much. But I, but hey, look, I will, I, I will go again. I will, I'll regroup. I'll, I'll take on board what you said, and and I feel like I've let you down, Marek. Uh, so I will sound look, like it. You don't sound like it. <laughs> I will look the into intonation. It. There's no sense of regret <laughs> in the intonation. I will look into it. It's got to be out there somewhere. Like we've, we talked about before, though, I don't think you're going to get an actual book. I just want to manage expectations here. I don't think there's literally a book that I'm going to be able to, to give you. So it's more, you want to see the, the, the chart and uh, I guess algorithmically what you should do, right? Just shut up and get me the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You get the book. <laughs> I get a, bit, a little bit scared now. I think we need I'll to send Mike there. Evans around your house. <laughs> Mike Evans. Not the sheep, Mike, not the sheep. And he uh, gets pretty angry. Now, listen, uh, before you go, uh, talk to us about what you're up to because you've uh, rebooted your brilliant uh, YouTube series on painting, right? Which uh, I think last time you were on, you were, you were in the middle I of... I have been painting and the most important thing I've done is during the three months when I stopped, I've, been, I've walked the South Downs mm-hmm. and I've got a walking channel. So I've got my YouTube channel, Marit Larwood, and I've got my walking channel, Cool Dudes Walking Club. Mm-hmm. I did a hundred so mile walk... It's called Walking Club. Cool Dudes Walking Club. Cool Dudes Walking Club, of course it is. And I've yeah. invented a game now. You've not heard this? No. I invented a card game. I didn't... <laughs> <Poo> man. <laughs> it's a genuine game. The card game... you have to collect it for Poo kids. Man. I should send it to you. So I'll you've, send it to you. You've set, got yeah. to collect five brown stars. You put all the cards face down. You've got to collect five brown stars without the Pooh Man catching. You look at the cards. There's Floater. Yep. Lionel Long Log. <laughs> <laughs> you got two sides, uh, man. But you're out if that happens, right? Uh, Belinda Bumyorn, <laughs> Philip Flushington. I've got all these cards. There's rules there. Genius. Look at pooman.co.uk. I love it. It's the we greatest will. game. I'll send you a link to it. Your kids would love it. Send us a link. I will set. Yeah, send me a set as well because the boys will be well up for that. And we'll push it out on on social. That sounds like a perfect stocky filler for Christmas because uh, we want to start thinking about that now. We're getting close, right? Yes, this is the website. Pooman, no, that's the website, pooman.co.uk. I've invested all my money in this, so I'm it to work. We will get behind it. We will put the, the weight of the, of the audience behind it. Uh, well, congrats with that. That's amazing. And the, because uh, you like inventing things, and what's happened to, I guess, you've been, the sport you invented has been COVID affected. Have you been able to, to kickstart a new season there? Well, no, because I have to move back to the Isle of Wight now. <laughs> so, My industry has collapsed. Is Vols uh, not on hold for the moment. Mm. So anyone wishing to invest in Marilard and anyone with kids aged four years old and upwards who was bored and wants something to do, buy my card game. The greatest card game in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. I know that's, hey, maybe The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson can buy Wolfsball. 
That'd be good. Do you, have you got his number? <laughs> no, I don't. There's I'll as much look. chance of that happening as you getting that two-point book. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, I'll work on that, and then things could be looking up, kiddo. Great to see you, man. Thanks for dropping by and, and catching up with us, man. It's always a pleasure. Take care, Nat. See you soon. See you soon, bud. Lovely stuff from Marek. We'll put out a link on our social channels to his brilliant card game uh, so you can uh, buy that uh, for a loved one as decent Christmas present. Stock and filler, as I say. So uh, get involved with that. And Marek will be back soon on the show. Guarantee that. Hopefully celebrating a Lions win. You never know. Stranger things that happen. Uh, we are back on Thursday with Greg Brady getting his set for all the weekend's action. Week five of the NFL preview show. Brady will help me get through it all. So we look forward to catching up with you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.